episode 83 of the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Good stuff this week to talk about on the show as far as Knicks stuff on the court where there's a bit of an up and down week for the Knicks. No question about that. We'll talk about the four game West Coast road trip, including the three game slide that ended it. And we'll talk about some rumors, some trade opportunities, and some things the Knicks are looking to do potentially off the court as well. First of all, hope you're all having a good week. Hope you all are staying safe during what continues to be a crazy time in the history of our country and what happens to be a crazy time in all of our lives. It continues to be a crazy time in all of our lives, and that's been the consistent variable throughout the last year. But it's time to talk Knicks. It's time to talk NBA. We'll get to some of the NBA stuff later on in the show. And we'll get to some of the trade stuff. We'll talk about Derrick Rose and a possibility for him to become a Nick yet again in a possible trade. What the Knicks could possibly do with that. Some already some articles and rumors going on about the Knicks doing what they did with Marcus Morris with Julius Randle. Trying to get some value for him, possibly. While his stock is still high. Interesting debate that's already being had. We'll talk about that later on in the show as well. But first, we head back out west for the next four-game road trip. Listen, we knew it was going to be difficult. Not only was it a four-game road trip all out west, but the Knicks had four really tough opponents. Honestly, I was a little surprised with how they started it. The Knicks had a really strong start to the road trip beating Golden State and turning what was a two-game winning streak at the time into a three-game winning streak. And again, the Knicks needed some big-time performances to get the win, but it ended up being a bit of a blowout in the end. The Knicks ended up kind of pulling away and beating the Warriors rather convincingly in a 119-104 victory. It it was, was a big first quarter for the Knicks. And a big third quarter for the Knicks. And they kind of put Golden State away in the fourth quarter. Despite 30 points from Steph Curry, I should say. The Knicks really had a fantastic performance from the starters. I think that was really the difference in this game. All five starters in double figures. Even Reggie Bullock had 12 points in the win. Really, it was Mitchell Robinson for me. His, His fingerprints were all over this game. 18 points, 8 rebounds, 2 blocks. Another double-double for Julius Randle, who was an assist away from a triple-double and only had 2 turnovers. And Alfred Payton got closer to being back to his normal self. 15 points, 5 assists, just 3 turnovers, and added in a couple of rebounds as well. However, the leading scorer was R.J. Barrett. Another very efficient game from him. 28 points, 5 assists. Again, only two turnovers. I feel like that was the story of the game, specifically in the first half. Nine turnovers for the whole game, or I should say 11 turnovers for the whole game for the Knicks. That was crucial. And besides Stephen Curry, I mean, Wiggins had 17, Wiseman had 15, but it it was really, and and again, Warriors played a lot of players in this game. It, It was a game where many of the Golden State players got some looks, but... The Knicks got enough from the bench. 11 from Alec Burks really helped. You know, not as as strong from Emmanuel quickly. You know, Obi Toppin 
Gave you something off the bench, including two blocks that should not go under the radar. But Nerlens Noel, I felt like, was the real star off the bench. Six points, 11 rebounds, and four swats. I, I thought he was the unsung hero of this win. And the Knicks were back to 500. I was saying this last week. It felt like a big moment if the Knicks could get back to 500. You just wish they weren't playing three more on the road out west after that because it didn't get much better for the Knicks after a really, really impressive win out at Golden State, beating a healthy uh, Stephen Curry. Keep I keep mixing them up with Seth for some reason. Um, Steph and, and, the, and the Warriors are as healthy as they're going to be all year, and the Knicks beat them pretty well. So it was a good start to the road trip. However, it was the high of the road trip because the Knicks uh, going with a big opportunity, I thought, against Sacramento to get above 500 and potentially really put themselves in a good spot going into the last couple of games of the road trip and the Knicks kind of let it slip away late in the game despite you know a good performance from Julius Randle again 26 and 15 he's been fantastic this season for the Knicks RJ Barrett you know despite missing nine shots still had 21.7 rebounds and didn't turn the ball over a ton although he did lead the team in and uh, sorry didn't turn the ball over a ton although he did lead the team in turnovers but really the lack of points from Reggie Bullock the you know kind of up and down game I thought offensively for Alfred Payton who only had seven points on 12 shots and only three assists you expect that to be a little bit higher the bench gave you something I mean Obi Toppin again had six points Alec Burks had nine, Emmanuel quickly had eight, but it wasn't enough. And the Knicks let it slip away. That That's exactly what happened down the stretch. All five Kings players who started were in double figures. Despite holding Marvin Bagley, uh, Mar- Marvin Bagley III, I should say, relatively in check, but he healed didn't have a huge game. Neither did Rashawn Holmes. It was De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes that came back to haunt the Knicks and the third wheel really ended up being the the rookie, Tyrese Halliburton off the bench, who scored 16 points, had four blocks, by the way. That was maybe the impressive stat of the night, uh, and had five rebounds, two steals, and two assists. So he he, uh, he showed the Knicks shouldn't have passed up on him, at least in his mind, and uh, gave the Knicks something to think about, um, despite, of course, you know the fact that the Knicks are still waiting for Obi Toppin to hit his stride. That's a minor story, and the fact that the Knicks really just kind of let it slip in the third, I thought. Uh, the Knicks had the lead at the, at the break and looked pretty pretty good. It wasn't a comfortable lead, I thought, but it was a lead that you know looked like the Knicks could, could potentially build on in the third, and it never happened. And, and the Kings outscored the Knicks by nine in the third and by five in the fourth and turned it around to win by nine, 103-94. to 94. And, and to me, it didn't feel like a big loss at the time uh, on the road trip because it still felt like the Knicks were being competitive, but... The next game was really the one where it felt like the Knicks, you know, needed it if they were going to salvage a split on the road trip. It didn't feel like they'd be, if they lost the game at Portland, didn't feel like they'd be able to go to Utah and get a good result. And that's kind of what happened. To be fair, one thing that has to be said, the Knicks lose the third game to Portland, 116-113. to A ton of positives from this game, I thought. I, I really thought the Knicks fought extremely hard to get back into this game they were down by 13 after one they were you know kind of blitzed to get in the second quarter and you felt watching that game that any other season this i would turn the tv off this game is over 
But the Knicks, this year, you've got a feeling they can fight back in a game like this. And despite being down by 18 points, or actually, was I think it was more than that, 13, and then they were outscored by 7. They were down by 20 at the break, the Knicks were. They were down by 20 points at halftime. And the Knicks came back and made this a game. You know, you got to give them a lot of credit on the road in a third game straight out west. I thought the Knicks could take a lot of positives from this game in particular. They still lose it. They couldn't complete the comeback. They outscored Portland 27-19 in the third, 36-27 in the fourth, looking back at the stats. But it felt like the energy defensively was ramped up in the second half. More guys were contributing on the offensive end. And really, Emmanuel quickly stood out big time. His best game as an NBA player scoring the ball. 31 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds. In 24 minutes, off the bench. Fantastic stuff from Emmanuel quickly, who was, on at one point, couldn't miss. Could not miss from downtown. It, it was incredible. Made 5 of 8 from 3. He was, he was the bright spot in this loss. And, and, and despite the loss for the Knicks... I thought Julius Randle was good as well. And the Knicks, you know, needed a third guy in this game. And that third guy was Alec Burks, who who got the start in this game. And he delivered 18 points. So it's great to have those kind of guys around. And without Alec Burks, the Knicks are not even close to being around in this game. And obviously when, you know, Reggie Bullock ends up not playing in this game... You needed someone to step up, and that's what he did. That's what Alec Burks did. He slid right into the starting lineup and did his thing. Nerlens Noel again, 6 points, 11 boards off the bench. So there was some there were some bright spots. The Knicks' fight in this game really showed. But Portland needed all 39 of those points from Damian Lillard. They got 16 from Simmons, 11 from Trent Jr., and 12 from Carmelo Anthony. And uh, 14 from Derek Jones Jr., and they just about pulled it out in the end. 116 to 113. I think the Knicks, in my opinion, if at that point, if the Knicks had gone on to beat the Jazz, it would have been a fantastic road trip for me. I really, they needed that second win, and they just never were able to get it. And the, the Utah game was probably the low light of the entire trip. It, it did feel like the Knicks. This game wasn't a gut punch loss, the, the Portland game. I think that the, the Sacramento game was maybe more of that, but but the, the Jazz game was the low point. It really was. The, the Knicks started out so well in the first half, took a pretty good lead into the break, and, and just kind of collapsed in specifically the fourth quarter, but it started in the third. You know, and Utah, a very good team, 13-4 and four now on the season. They've only lost twice at home all year. And the Knicks, as good as they started out playing in the first half, and there were, I believe there were fans at the game. I listened to most of the game on the radio uh, driving around from work, but um, it sounded like there were fans at the game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, this was a game I didn't get to see a ton of highlights from, but I believe that the, the fans helped in the second half for Utah to come back and pull this one out. And in the end, it didn't end up being that close because of the fourth quarter. But listen, the Knicks had a strong first half and just let it slip in the fourth. The four game road trip caught up with them. It felt like in the third and the fourth quarter of this game, listen, Austin rivers was fantastic. I thought 25 points off the bench, but 
And listen, despite another great performance from Julius Randle, I thought, and R.J. Barrett chipping in 17 points as well, being really strong over his 40 minutes of play, nobody else was able to step up, and, that, and that's where it's tough on the road. That, that's where it's tough. You don't always consistently get your role players to step up, and, and nobody else was in double figures. Alec Burks had nine on 14 shots. He was really poor from three, missed all of his seven looks, and nobody else had more than seven points in the starting lineup or on the bench. And, and honestly, another really poor performance shooting the ball from Emmanuel quickly, but it's going to happen. You know, it's the fourth game on a four-game West Coast trip and a tough way for it to end for the Knicks. They're now on a three-game losing streak. They're 8-11 overall. Pretty good road record, I have to say. 5-7 and seven this season on the road. That's pretty darn good to have most of your wins on the road. Again, the, the home form has got to improve. But the Knicks have only played seven home games this season. They're three and four. So one of those things, but scheduling stuff. But in the end, I I didn't feel great after the Utah game at all. It did feel like a game the Knicks, again, had an opportunity and let it slip away in that second half. But there was a lot of positives from this trip. It wasn't a dead road trip where the Knicks threw two games away and, and still lost three out of four and, and stuff like that. They were competitive in every game. The Knicks, and I think someone in someone from Newsday wrote this uh, yesterday, and, and I was reading part of it in my prep for the show, but the headline rung true to me. The Knicks can win every night almost. They're, the Knicks, every time they step on the floor, they've got a chance to win. That's a big deal for this Knicks team, and it's it's worth remembering while the Knicks are on another tough little mini slide here. It really is worth mentioning again that this Nick team is good. That all four teams they played could be in the playoffs this year. All four of them. And the Knicks played them all of them tough. Gave them all a really tough game. Four straight on the road. They beat a very good Golden State team. They took a very good Portland team down to the wire. Coming back from 20 down to make it a one possession game at the end. And they really gave Utah a tough, tough first half. Couldn't hold on. The, the four games caught up with them. And and a game against Sacramento, you go look back and you thought maybe the Knicks should have won that game. Now you don't always want to have the again, we talk about this sometimes too. You don't always want to have that as as the, the the moral victory of the trip while the Knicks were in it. But against specifically who they played and the styles those teams play and the stars on each of those teams, the Knicks more than held their own on this road trip. One and three is not great. Two and two would have been fantastic. But there's been years past where the Knicks didn't have a prayer, lost all four. We didn't even talk about it. So that's progress for me. I think Tom Thibodeau can't be thrilled. You're thrilled if you're two and two. That's kind of how it goes for me. If you're if you're a team where the Knicks kind of are right now, two and two, you're thrilled. Anything better than that, you're over the moon. One and three is not a failure, I feel like, on the trip, considering you were competitive in every game. But it is a disappointment because the Knicks did let the Sacramento game get away from them. Their second half against Utah was poor, and it quickly got away from them, no pun intended. And then the Portland game, the first half was the issue and you almost pulled it back. But when you fall behind by 20 away at a playoff team, 
you can't expect to always pull that back and win. So it's it's just one of those things where the Knicks have got to figure it out over 40 minutes more consistently. Should be over 48 minutes more consistently. And we'll be looking at a team that's going to be in the playoff mix down the stretch. There's no question in my mind about that. If they keep playing like this, there's a chance. Now, obviously, the game tomorrow when the podcast goes out, home to Cleveland, it's a big game. It's a big game for the Knicks. We saw earlier with a five-game losing streak how important the next win is. Can you stop the bleeding of a losing streak? That's what's in front of the Knicks right now. It's a February for me upcoming with opportunity, especially if the Knicks can win one of the two next games. Cleveland and then the Clippers at home. If you get a split, maybe even win both. Who knows? But then you're looking into February where there's opportunity to be had for wins. A lot of home games for the Knicks, specifically the end of the month. But you get Chicago twice, Washington on the schedule, Atlanta and Orlando, Minnesota's there, Golden State and Sacramento come to your place, Indiana, and you have to go to Detroit before you finish up in March at San Antonio. You do have to play Miami twice. You do have to play Portland again. Clippers are coming up. But, you know, listen, the Heat are struggling at the moment. Heat are 6-11. Jimmy Butler's been hurt. It's not a great team right now. They've lost four in a row, Miami, and you get them twice later in the month. This is not the world-beating Miami Heat that won the Eastern Conference Championship last season. You get the Bulls twice. Bulls are not much better. Seven and ten, they've lost two in a row. So if you can beat Cleveland, you can go on maybe a little bit of a run. And again, the Wizards are coming up as well. Houston's coming up in middle of February. There's some winnable games on this schedule where you can really make up some ground. It's a big month for the Knicks. really is. And and, and one that starts out with opportunity on Friday night hosting Cleveland. So we'll see how the Knicks bounce back, but there's a lot of opportunities for the Knicks to get some victories in the next couple of weeks. And if they keep... Again, this is the thing, and I know I keep reiterating this, but it's worth mentioning because it's easy to get down after a loss or three in a row. But because the Knicks are capable of winning night in and night out, they're, they're going to be competitive every time they have a team on the floor under Coach Tom Thibodeau. They can easily turn this into a winning streak. They've done it already this season. So I, I'm excited about parts of what I saw on this road trip. And I can't remember the last time I said that about a Knicks team, even when they were good under Mike Woodson. You know, there were times where they were shaky on the road. This was a team that was stable defensively for a good portion of this road trip that just let a couple quarters get away from them and then let it all fall on top of them in that final game where they they did look tired at the end. And, and, And four games on the road during a pandemic out west will do that to you for an eastern conference team any team is going to have to deal with that so a lot of positives to take listen emmanuel quickly's performance against portland may be the highlight of the entire trip but julius randall we'll get to him in the second half of the show about potential trade talks he's been phenomenal julius randall 
has been awesome for the Knicks this season. So I think that him, R.J. Barrett, Alec Burks, Emmanuel Quickly, there's been positives, no question about it, to take out of even a 1-3 and three road trip out west. I'll take a break here. When we come back, Julius Randle trade talks are starting to kind of pop up a little bit. So are trade talks potentially to bring Derrick Rose back to the Knicks. Talk about that. Maybe a little NBA talk as well, looking at the full league. Coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, we're diving right back into the Knicks here. A lot of good stuff to talk about this week. I know it's 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 not the high that I think Knicks fans were hoping for if they pulled off the Portland comeback or if if the Knicks had done well to finish off Sacramento or extended the lead and maybe gone on to beat Utah. But there's a lot of, again, there's positive to take and there's interesting news to talk about this week surrounding the Knicks. I, I don't think there's much debate with that. The Knicks are involved in, in quite a bit at the moment. Let's start with the Julius Randle stuff. This popped up earlier today in prep for the show. I was looking through potential news notes and details to talk about with the Knicks. And Bleacher Report and a few others have already started to write about this. And again, the the thing to distress with this stuff is these are strictly rumors. Haven't heard a ton of, of traction to get this yet. But... Julius Randle, because of how well he's been playing, could be a potential guy that the Knicks trade to a playoff team or a team that's maybe looking to go for a championship where the Knicks could maybe get something back. Maybe a player or two, maybe a couple of picks. So there's a lot of scenarios where maybe the Knicks could get something here and a few different sites go through some of the options. Because this is something, honestly, to be fair... Maybe this is a criticism of myself to a certain extent. When a player's playing well for my NBA team, and I'm putting this in the NBA environment, because that's really the only one the only way this kind of applies. When a player's playing well, you want them to keep playing well for your team. But for me, sometimes I forget that in the NBA, especially when you have a team like where the Knicks are at, picks are very important. And Julius Randle could get you a lot if he's an all-star this year, and he's played like it so far. There's been scenarios suggesting the Knicks could maybe get a first-round pick out of Charlotte to trade Julius Randle to the Hornets, potentially, because of the, the center issues that Charlotte's dealt with this season. Short-term options, they have Cody Zeller, Bismack Biombo. And, you know, to be fair, they have a talented big, a youngster in P.J. Washington. But he's not going to be able to carry the load like Julius Randle can't for a team, as we've seen at times last year, but a lot more so in 19 games this season. So it's an interesting one that the Knicks could potentially do at the trade deadline here. And apparently Charlotte was interested in Randall last year at the trade deadline. So that's an interesting one to look at. The Wizards, who are just awful this year. I I was even surprised how poorly the Wizards have played 
this season. It just has not worked out. And so far, the trade is that that Westbrook wall trade hasn't worked out for anybody. It's been a crap show all the way around. Especially after Harden left Houston, it's been a really rough time for both of those franchises. And the Wizards in particular are just awful. It's really been a poor year for Washington. But, if the Wizards decide to try to go again with that core and keep it together, that really means not trading Bradley Beal, maybe Julius Randle is an option for them. And the Knicks can maybe get a ton of assets from the Wiz kids for Julius Randle. And then there's one other option that I've actually seen from a couple of different people. The Timberwolves. Tibbs is old. Stomping ground in Minnesota. Could the Knicks trade him to the, to the T-Wolves? And potentially get some options back in return, either in players or in picks as well. Timberwolves were a team I thought w- w- could potentially be a surprise in the West. It has not entirely worked out that way. It, it just hasn't. Again, the, the problem with the Timberwolves, as good as they are with talent, for some reason, and this, is, this has been a problem ever since Tibbs left, they can't defend. They're really poor on the defensive end. And they've got the worst record in the West. I mean, that's just that's just how it's turned out this season for the Wizards. I'm sorry, for the Timberwolves, pardon me. And the team I've been wrong again about, by the way, shocker here, second year running, OKC, again, is decent. They're in the playoff hunt. And the Timberwolves just aren't. And I feel like that's probably going to be my biggest, uh, <laughs> my biggest mistake of my preseason predictions. I always seem to lay an egg on somebody, and it looks like this year it's going to be the Timberwolves, and the and the Thunder again. Goodness gracious! I got, I got to stop betting against OKC and Sam Presti. Goodness gracious! The real, the real, really quick off topic. The real surprise has been Dallas. I think in the in the West, the fact that they're not they're they're not in a playoff spot right now. And they've lost three in a row. Not a good look for the Dallas Mavericks. Especially considering the Grizzlies have turned things around. The Spurs are pretty good this year. LaMarcus Aldridge is is ageless. And Golden State has done their thing. And the Jazz have won 10 in a row. So you're looking at those teams you thought would be 4, 5, 6, 7. Not exactly everyone you thought would be there is there at the moment. Rockets are hanging in. They're seven and nine. Kings are seven and ten. Pelicans are even hanging around six and ten. But the Timberwolves, after these two straight losses, are pretty much out of it. That was kind of the, th- these last couple of games were kind of the ones where we thought, well, if they're going to stay in this thing, they got to win those games, and, and they weren't able to do it. So they're way out of it at the moment. They're four and a half back uh, of the Suns, and they're five back of the Grizz for the eight spot they'd have a crap ton of teams to jump over but regardless the Knicks could potentially do something with the Timberwolves especially if you think for, for the Timberwolves going into next season they're going to feel like they're going to be in the mix with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell leading the way so could Julius Randle 
be the future of the Timberwolves franchise at 26 years of age? It's an interesting question to look at. It really is. Would you trade Julius Randle? It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question because when, at times last year, I think people would have traded him away in a heartbeat. In a, in a, in a nanosecond, Knicks fans would have gotten rid of him last year. A lot of turnovers, not always efficient on the offensive end, and, and the poor decision-making, the poor passing out of the post, caught in two minds at times on both ends of the floor. But this year, Julius Randle has gotten back to, to his late days with the Pelicans self, where he's dominating games, and he's putting up ridiculous numbers. Consistently threatening to get triple doubles every night for the Knicks. And if he keeps on this pace, whether we have an all-star game or not, then there are talks to potentially have one, but we'll see how that goes. He could very well be there representing the Knicks in the all-star game. So that's the kind of stock you're dealing with right now. And the question becomes, do you cash out? Do you get something for him now? And could get a pretty penny for him. To be fair, you could get a pretty penny for Julius Randle right now. Potentially on a, on a trade deadline deal. Or do you think, you know what? This guy could be the future of our franchise. And we look to build with him as a part of it. It's a tough one because he's only 26. He's only 26 years old, but there could be some big, big, big moves the Knicks could potentially make with players and potentially draft picks that make this interesting, that make this a difficult conversation to have. So Tibbs is going to have to make up his mind at some point what he wants to do with Julius Randle. It's not an easy decision to make. And I'll be very interested to see in the next couple of weeks what he decides to do. Other Knicks trade news. Apparently the other trade we kind of teased last segment. Derek Rose, potentially. Coming back to the Knicks. Now apparently this, nothing has been, nothing has happened yet. Again, keep that in mind. But apparently, according to rumors here, Mark Berman, New York Post, specifically, the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau are interested in potentially bringing Derek Rose back to the Knicks to play for his old head coach. Here's the good news, right? Derek Rose is averaging almost 15 points per game, almost five assists per game, and just over two rebounds per game, shooting 43% from the field. For, you know, to be fair, to be fair to Derek Rose, and again, this is a guy that's dealt with injuries that, that wasn't great at times with the Knicks, but to be fair to Derek Rose... He's on a Pistons team that's not very good, and he's still putting up some good numbers. Now, that, that, could be, that could go one of two ways. One, he's the only option they've got for the team with the second-worst record in the East at 4-14. Four, four and 14. Or he's, he's scoring despite how poor they are. But regardless, his numbers are pretty good. Numbers right now are pretty good for Derrick Rose. 
So at the moment, you look and you think, hey, we're in the eighth spot right now in the in the east. Pardon me, in the east. And we're not that far off from getting maybe a little higher if we can get some get a run together in February. Knicks are only a game and a half back of Cleveland and Atlanta, who were in the sixth and the seventh spots, respectively. And the Knicks play the Cavs on Friday, and they play the Hawks again later this month after already beating them in Atlanta. There's opportunities here for the Knicks. They play the Magic as well, who the Magic at the moment are tied with the Knicks on record, but in ninth place on the head-to-head. So at the moment, and by the way, another couple big games, Knicks play the Bulls twice. Bulls are only a game back of the Knicks. Or I should say, they're actually technically tied, but the Knicks have played two more games than the Bulls. So at the moment, those are big games as well. The Knicks are right in the mix right now in the East. Do you think maybe Derrick Rose is an option short-term for us to help us maybe make a run at the playoffs? It, it's it's potentially an option here for the Knicks. It's one that, as soon as I read it, I thought, hmm, Knicks could, you know, again, this, again, it's not the exact definition of putting your chips in the middle here, but it, it's a it's a potential option that gives the Knicks a little bit more of a jolt and a little bit more of depth in that backcourt where, again, it's, it's Peyton who's been inconsistent. It's a really inconsistently good Emmanuel quickly, who's just a rookie, who's still coming into his skin in the NBA, but he's showing you some really good signs. And then there's a huge drop-off, because we have not seen Dennis Smith Jr. a lot, and we have seen Frank Nilakina phased out. Derek Rose being a third guard for the Knicks, along with, again, you expect good guard play from Alec Burks as more of a scorer, but as a point guard, adding a Derek Rose provides the Knicks with some depth. And maybe helps them down the the home stretch, potentially fight and get into the playoffs, potentially, for this Knicks team under Tom Thibodeau in his first season in charge. It's a move the Knicks should definitely consider, in my opinion. It's a very intriguing move for New York. Really is. One last quick thing as far as Knicks news on the trade side of things. Knicks apparently reportedly not going to go hard for a Lonzo Ball trade. Apparently, according to Shams of The Athletic, the Knicks were expected to be in the mix for Lonzo Ball, but Ian Begley of SNY basically disputed it by saying, don't expect the Knicks to push that hard for a trade to get Lonzo Ball to the Knicks. It's interesting because as much as, you know, there's a debate over, you know, whether or not LaMelo Ball would work in New York, the fact that this was even discussed, I think, was a little interesting. Because the Knicks, at one point, were high on LaMelo Ball and then kind of dismissed him towards the end of the draft process as a possible target in the draft for the Knicks to trade up and and get him instead of, you know, in the end, the Charlotte Hornets taking him at number three in the draft. Now Lonzo becomes linked. And initially the Knicks were going to be in the mix because they're looking for backcourt help. 
as we've seen from the Derrick Rose rumors and other rumors as well, doesn't seem to have legs. It's an interesting one. I don't know if this is about the ball situation in general. Maybe they don't feel like Lonzo's the kind of guard they need. It makes sense to a certain extent that the Knicks would, would you know, pump the brakes on these rumors. But I wouldn't be surprised, especially if the Derrick Rose stuff doesn't work out, that the Knicks find themselves maybe working their way into this conversation a little bit harder. One thing that's worth noting, and this is another bit of a, a little bit of a surprise in the NBA this season, the Pelicans are not very good. I, I thought the Pelicans could be potentially fighting for a playoff spot. And they're not out of it yet. There's still a lot of basketball left to be played in this regular season. But let me tell you something. They're 6-10. and 10. They haven't exactly been, been crushing teams this season. And the last game of note, they, they beat the Wizards, but the Wizards stink. Wizards are not good. So when you look at the Pelicans, is this kind of a move where they decide, you know, we're, we're really kind of getting close to being out of this thing. They're, they're two and a half back, but they got to jump over a ton of teams to be in this conversation. Do they think that it's time to offload Lonzo Ball? Be the second time in his career already that Lonzo Ball would will have been moved. Was a Laker and you know made all of his dad's dreams come true. Then he gets traded away to the Pelicans. And now Lonzo Ball at the ripe old age of 23 years old could be traded again from a team that was expected to be pretty good this year. Bit bit disappointing, I think, for him. And and obviously Lavar. The thing that, that's interesting for the Knicks side of things, he's having a decent year. Uh Lonzo Ball, that is. Twelve points per game, just about. A little under four rebounds, just under five assists per game. It's a decent season. He's having a decent regular season. I think the problem is he's he's not given the timber the timber rules. I'm mixing it up again. The Pelicans enough scoring. It just hasn't been there consistently enough. And on a team where you know again there's stars on that team. And there's role players that you know could can outshine him if if they're going if they're going right. But it's one of those things where he's just he's just not doing enough shooting the ball specifically from three. If I remember correctly, looking into this yesterday, day before the recording of the podcast, Lonzo Ball is shooting almost four percentage points lower from three. And he's shooting slightly worse off from the field as well compared to his career average, which to be fair is a smaller sample size, but still numbers are, are kind of down for Lonzo this year. And, and the big number that's down are his assists. His assists are down by almost two per game this season. And so are his rebounds, by the way. He's having a decent year, but again, the Knicks, you could argue, need more scoring from that point guard position. That's been what it's been inconsistent from Alfred Payton at times. And we've gotten it at times from Emmanuel quickly, but he's a rookie. Can't expect him to do that every night as we've seen, especially over the West coast road trip. 
That's been a, a microcosm of the season for Emmanuel Quickly at times in his rookie year. And again, that's to be expected. I'm not knocking Emmanuel Quickly. That's what we expected from him this season. And for the most part, again, very positive season from him. Again, I'm just trying to make sure you guys understand. I'm not knocking Quickly here. He's been awesome. But when you're looking to push for the playoffs and, and Alfred Payton's not giving you what you need every night, Derrick Rose makes some sense in a potential trade. And then who knows? I, I think you don't get both here, but Lonzo Ball. I guess the thought is, do you think Alec Burks can keep this up? Can he, can he stay healthy? If he can, I, I think you probably just go with Derrick Rose here and, and see what, what you could do down the stretch. And, and hopefully have a good month of February and see what March brings you. So we'll have to see. That's the bottom line. We're going to have to see how this all plays out. But I'll tell you what. The Derrick Rose trade intrigues me a heck of a lot more than the Lonzo Ball trade does. There's, a, there's an interesting, interesting potential rekindling there of a relationship between Derrick Rose and Tom Thibodeau. We saw it in Minnesota. And at times it worked out pretty well for the Timberwolves. But again, some would say that those teams underachieved. Could Derrick Rose be the little addition the Knicks need to maybe get them back to the playoffs? Who knows? But we'll have to see. For now, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Guys, thank you so much as always for listening to the show. Stay safe. Stay well. Knicks are back at it later on tonight after the podcast is posted, if you will, on postingandtoasting.com and on iTunes. They're playing the Cavs. Hopefully the Knicks can get back in the win column. Until then, have a great week, and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.